Hey, you are listening to the Silver Fox Hustle podcast with me, your host, Shasi. Hey, it's Shasi. And welcome back to the Silver Fox Hustle podcast. I know it's been a trying few weeks for most of us, but I hope everyone's staying safe, staying at home as well. And if you do have a little bit of time, you can go out to the park and do a little bit of exercise. In today's episode, I talk to a real legend. And he is a legend in every sense of the word, from humble beginnings to an Olympian and then flying across the world, making it real, real big in Singapore. Now go on, grab that cappuccino and see you in a bit. Hey, this is the Silver Fox Hustle podcast with me, Shasi. And in today's episode, we have a legend. A legend in Singapore football. He's also a friend. He was an Olympian. And he is not Joseph Schooling. He has had a colourful, if not very difficult childhood, which we will talk about uh, in a while. He scored a whopping 321 league goals in his league career in Singapore. Now, if I'm wrong, he will correct me later on. He scored 24 goals in 54 national team appearances for Singapore. He also scored in an Asian Champions League against Suwon Samsung Blue Wings, if he can remember. He also has an autobiography, which he promises he will present to me very soon. And I'm sure he's forgotten to bring that today. And most importantly... To me, at least, he is a proud father of four kids. Now, let me introduce to you the legend that is Alex Dierich. Alex, how are you, my friend? Very good. And uh, I like that. Thank you so much for having me today. Um, first of all, I'm very happy to be here. At the same time, and, uh, I like your name of the broadcasting. It's called uh, Silver Fox because I'm not sure I have a humor, I have a white hair, me or you. <laughs> We're but, getting very close to each other but by you, here. But you got to admit, it's a nice name, isn't it? Very Silver good, Fox. very good. Well done, very great, good. Great. Now, let's get started, right? Now, your childhood days. I read stories about your childhood, you know, and in, you can even find it in Wikipedia, your, your, your name and yeah. your childhood. It, to me, it was very, very difficult to actually read it sometime. And some of the stories were, were, were quite painful. And uh, tell me more about it. How, how, how was growing up days, in your growing up days? Did you have fun even, even when times were bad did you have fun playing football or, or any other sport well basically my i was growing growing i was growing up grow up in uh, in the small village in uh, in outskirts of the small town in bosnia um yeah, it was a very tough uh, my, my my childhood was um in in Bo- some way it was uh you know i was a happy child because uh, basically i didn't know anything better than yeah. that but same time it was very tough because um they there was never was enough uh, food on the on the table my my father was a uh, basically full-time alcoholic man and um very abusive abusive but at the same time as as a, as a, in our culture i respect him until he really died and uh, as a, to be my father and uh, so I, I even all these things what he did to me or my family was um kind of like um you know painful but at the same time i respect because he was my father but um of course there was a work you know, every day be not done in the in the farm because we was kind of farming living from the farms and uh looking after the animals and um, uh, cleaning the all the all the things which uh, after animals so also in um, later part of later part of my um life um i was kind of not forced but uh, helped my mom and dad to collecting the uh papers, uh, bottles and uh, metals from the rubbish dump because um, there was only way for us to survive, to make some money. Collecting that with the, all the gypsies who was on that time also doing the same thing. So like every day wow. I will be carrying all these heavy things back to home because you couldn't leave that anywhere else because the gypsies will steal. So uh, basically only way to collect that was... Uh, 
bring all the stuff, of course, on on my back in a, um, daily, like up and down, up and down for like a few kilometers to to bring them home and clean all these um, bottles and they prepare the papers for the sale and uh, and then um, basically it was a. Uh, much easier when it was a summer or autumn, uh, but it was very hard when it was a winter, when it was a snow in our country, over four season, and it was like a minus 20, and wow. you need to carry all this through the snow and um, and wash these bottles because b- selling the bottles was a easiest part. The hardest part was uh, clean that bottles because they usually all the bottles have kind of like um, uh, stickers on, on them, and then you have to take the stickers out. To t- take the sticker out, you need to wash them to be okay. clear, clear washed, and then you, you have a this uh, problem in the winter when it's like minus 25 outside minus and you come 25. out yes and you come out and you wash that and you have to cook there some hot water at least to to prepare so it means you have to bring the woods and all this and the fire and uh, hot water and all these things and we I, I mean I was eight nine years old at the time uh, my father my brother was only one one and a half years older than two of us with mom and dad but we knew that we need to do that because um, at least when you sell the all these things so you know there is some uh, enough money for us to survive for next six months or one year listen uh I'm, I'm just looking at and, and looking at you and 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 you telling me all these stories and I'm looking at children of today. And you compare that, you know, people at seven years old, eight years old, nine years old. It, it's tough to imagine, you know, especially in Singapore right now, a seven-year-old kid, an eight-year-old kid doing that. And it must have been really, really tough. And I'm sure whatever that you've been through, you have used that throughout your life as, yeah. as a philosophy. Because in my opinion, someone who's had to survive, have got to kill yeah. even sometimes, that is the only way to go because that's the yeah. only way you you only have to go one way and that's up and you got to fight and survive and and I was watching this uh, show on Netflix on Carlos Tevez yeah I didn't see that one yet you, you got to watch that because that's the only way how he made it because yeah. it was terrible e- everywhere around him people were killing and, and so anytime at any one time Carlos Tevez would, be, would have been dead so mm. I, I think in, in, in my opinion at least it is about survival and that's how you got your philosophy am i right alex yeah i mean you're right for sure that that's uh, one of the other reason but another is the uh, lessons the life lessons you learn through the, your uh, childhood uh, my many lessons i learned uh, you know very young age is uh, you know to well you have to work hard uh, that's for sure and um, you also you have to sacrifice a lot of things in your life to to come where you want to be same time you're learning from the mistakes what the people doing around around you yes. uh, I learned big lessons not to drink and be alcoholic man like my dad or, or do anything stupid things like um, so there's one very first lessons I learned as a, as a kid that that was that um, but um, but I was still happy child because I have my neighborhood uh, kids and we, we still I think I think I always have to say that my life was always kind of uh, connected to the sport I think the sport build up my life in um, through all my uh, um, from the young age all the until today they, they really made me who I am today I think exactly. the, there was a big huge huge part of my life was sport and um, and also sport was my um, uh, only way to run from the this poverty and yes. uh, run from the harsh harsh life and um, enjoy some moments of the you know day on day or training so playing football or going kayaking with a few friends and uh, that was all I was looking as a child um, to have when I had the free time from my you know if the mom and dad tell me that I can go and for training all this there wasn't every day but there was a yeah. enough time for me to go and enjoy myself and as a child. Exactly, and for those of you who are listening in to this podcast, uh, you know football makes us all happy. You know, yes. at the end of the day, football it's it's a wonderful sport. Now let's talk about Barcelona 1992. <laughs> wow, what what an experience! You represented Bosnia and Herzegovina in canoeing. Am I right? Yes. What was the experience like? Olympic Games. Wow, I I can only imagine. Right, uh, Joseph Schooling has done it, but Singaporeans as as an individual, I can only imagine that. How was it like? Uh, basically, to come to Olympic Games, is uh, it's a <laughs> it's a lot of hard work, you know, to to be even just to be candidate candidates for the yeah. Olympic Games. And um, I must say that I, when I pick up my uh, canoeing in, in um, when I was uh, 12 years old, all the way, of course, you need to go through the uh, steps by step because which was you need to be junior, you have to be champion in all your categories. So I become junior champion, then I was senior champion, very young age. Then I was in. Um, um, all the way I went up to the top 10 in the world. So it was like like 
the, your your kind of like um, uh, build up was uh, basically is uh, just the next the last step was the Olympic game and. Um, I before the war even started in 1992. I I got it. There was a six of us who okay. was a. It's not a, just like you. They don't just tell you, oh, okay, you are you are kind of one of, for sure. You're going to Olympic yeah. game. Yeah. Of course, there was a few of us who were fighting for maybe two Correct. or three position. Correct. And uh, of course, the guys who have the best um, timing, of course, it will be one who would go. But uh, actually, none of us really. Uh, I was only one from six. Actually, no, two of us. Actually, it was one more guy from Croatia who made it because when we was uh, preparing ourselves for Olympic Games, we was uh, part of Yugoslavia. Okay. When I left Yugoslavia and moved to Hungary, when I was stuck there, um, Yugoslavia disappeared from the world map, and mm. then all the countries who was uh, states in that time in Yugoslavia become independent countries. One of them was Bosnia Herzegovina, okay. and that's how I they told me. If I be happy to represent as a first Olympian in Bosnia Herzegovina, then again you guess like um, <laughs> you know we all guessing like it's like it's the best things when you uh, you know get uh, lettered and you're going to Olympic game and right. you know you should be celebrating with your right. friends, families, brothers, yes. sisters, your mothers and father. Everybody proud because they were Olympian in their family. In my case, was everything different because it's uh, basically. Half country was wanted to kill me because I was a Serbian Orthodox man. Uh, okay. My father and brother was kind of fighting against that flag, which one I supposed to ah, be going okay. Bosnia. Okay. Another half of country was kind of they didn't really show am I'm really part of them because am I'm really going there for just to be Olympian or just to be really to Bosnian, yeah. Bosnian representing Bosnian. But I, I can tell you, um, I was really proud when I received that uh, call and received that letter. I was. I will never forget uh, this emotional. We, you know, when when I step out of the Olympic Stadium in uh, Barcelona and and be but part part of ten ten of us of um, uh, Olympians and um, until today, that's my one of the proudest moment in my uh, my life because you know when you're a sportsman, it doesn't matter which sport you do. Your dreams is always to be, you know, just not be best in your country, but also to show how far you can go in your world stage. And especially if you are, of course, everybody's dream to to be in a part of the Olympic. Exactly. And uh, the, the the story that you just told me could have been taken from a movie. You know, it, it's like, like, you know, a war. Yes. Torn, two countries being torn, to, uh, brothers and dead on one side, and the other brother on yes. the other side is amazing. Now, I mean, I can uh, sorry, I, uh, to yeah. just, I can tell you this like the story never ended in this part because um, <laughs> the sad, saddest things is um, my dad on the day when I really step up in an Olympic uh, Olympic stadium, he never talked to me ever again until he died. He never speak to me because he was for him there was a shame for the son to having um, represented Bosnia Herzegovina. And for me, it was, uh, you know, proudest moment. So, you know, just to tell you that is, uh, you know, uh, I paid a huge price losing my dad in uh, in the same 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 day when I was uh, step off uh, on the Olympic Stadium. Wow, is it that that is really amazing? Now, you know, it's canoeing, right? So you know that you're going to the Olympic Games, like you have a, have a target, and it, it was a Summer Olympics, wasn't yes, it? Yes, Summer Olympics. What Barcelona. was the training like? Was it was it like every single day? And and how was it? <laughs> no, every single day I had the trainings three times a day, three times a day. Uh, there was a, I was a, probably cycle of the four years planes, when you are basically trained nonstop. Uh, you go competition, you go overseas, you are training in um, the high altitude. Also, there you are, you are basically um, put you into the. I I can say this like a something which one is. Um, and normal people can't do it honestly I, I also myself sometimes felt like and I'm going to crack mentally and physically because it was uh, really tough and and I'm, and that's what they teach you that was a, also was a, that's why I say the sport really shaped my life uh, because of um, they break your uh, probably your um, your uh, comfort zone you are basically you go yeah. over the comfort zone yes, and you are, yes. you never go back you never go back to your comfort zone you always exactly. believe that uh, you know it's Anything what you do, you can probably do even better and bigger. So uh, every time we train, the coaches never was happy. Even we had really quite good results, and they, they were, every time they'll come, they were not happy. And we as a kids, we was thinking, how come the coach not happy with Is our that, results? And it's like wait. then we realized they just wanted to us to not ever stay in comfort zone. They always want us to push themselves in a higher level. They're the perfectionists. They 
they just want yes. to to be the best with, with yes. no other exceptions. Yes. Is that a Serbian thing? I I need to ask you this. No, seriously, is, is this a Serbian thing? Uh, you know, an Eastern European thing? Because no, there's a more is Eastern European things because yeah? we we grow up in a, in the when you are sportsman, if you are um, really the government stay behind you, yes. they stood behind you, okay. they really support you in the all levels because they believe that um, that time in the eighties, nineties, the Eastern European it was this kind of dark dark <laughs> part of the world like okay. uh, you know like uh, yeah. Star Wars so we was in dark side <laughs> okay. um, no many western countries like us but so to us to show that is an, uh, on the world stage was uh, through the sport uh, too that we are sport music and all this was really very much in, and for us sportsmen was a one kind of door open to go and see the world, uh, Western yeah, world. Yeah. We could travel and, uh, you know, uh, compete. Yeah. But of course, we was very proud where we come from. And uh, we were in, we was kind of always compete to win. Of course, when, of when course. you are competing, you, you just want to win. And work for us, compete was um, basically in compete, like uh, just cycling on the training. We go uh, from home to training. There was compete competitive already. We already compete. Who's going to cycle first to the to the training? Wow, okay. uh, yeah, everything was everything moved. It was a competitive. Every, yeah, everything was a competition. Yes, that was uh, that was great. That was the first part, right? I, I am with Alex Durich, and we will come back after this short break as he shares about his start in Singapore football and football in general. Uh, we are back on the Silver Fox Hustle podcast with me, Shasi. We have Alex Durich with us in the studio. And uh, let's talk about your start in Singapore football and being champions. But before that, how was your experience in your very first year in Singapore football with Tanjung Paga, I believe, in 1999? Yes, right? 1999. So, May 1999. May what? If you first May. First May. On yes. Neighbours Day, you came to yes. Singapore halfway through the season? No, there was. I think there was um, fifth or sixth uh, uh, rounds. They started already. League was started. Ah, okay. Yeah. There wasn't really half, but there was a nearly to half. Three because, quarters uh, to go. Yeah, kind of because yeah. uh, Tanjung Paga brought me in because they only have a three foreigners and they, for I don't know what reason they didn't sign the fourth one, but they okay. waited for a while, okay. and I came as a striker, uh, which one I never played before. So that was like <laughs> okay. Wait for for listeners listening in, right? Because you've always seen Alex as a striker. Yes. As simple as that. Parents, kids even, when they read about you, it's only striker. Scoring yes. goals for fun, hitting and, and what have you. So what happened? <laughs> it's happened that I actually never played striker before because I uh, before I came to Tanjung Park. I was okay. uh, yeah, I was attacking midfield. I was okay. playing more on the left side on the you know for me we in Australia and China we play four three three. That time already kind of that was a, a system we played. So I was kind of like a third attacking striker okay. or maybe on the left side because I was at a very good left, but more never ever really played into okay. the target man. Okay. I came coming into the Singapore football in '99. Coming into the stadium at uh, Queenstown, and anybody who been there, they know how small pitch is there. And I, my first impression was there that um, that will be our training ground, and we will play in some big stadium. And so, and, and then I got a shock of the day that the first day they told me, "Oh no, no, Alex, actually this is our training." And the same time they. Um, Uh, uh, for the match games. Let, let so. me remind you of something. The, the, the changing rooms. Oh, it changing rooms, yes. It was a container, wasn't yes, it? Yes, yes, container. Uh, I think if you go there, I think it's still no, no, a no, no, yes, still the container. See the same. And uh, basically, that time also was uh, two teams. I, I couldn't understand that also. Uh, 99, we used to shower together with the opposition team. And I was thinking, I hated that because I, I never like opposition team to, you know, not even see them and not to uh, like after the game. Everything is fine. Everybody thinks that it's a fine. Just play against opposition. Have a together uh, shower. So like you, you 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 talk about this because there was a fight. Yes, that after that. I think we yes, all know that, yes, that, that, yes. that incident. Yeah, after with, I think uh, yeah or two years. Yes, Tan Kim Ling and Nico. Yeah. Yes, right? uh, we shall not talk Bec- about that. Yes, we shall not talk about that. <laughs> but but your first impression was, I can safely say, not good. No, it wasn't really good. It okay. wasn't really good. Um, I I wasn't really happy with the facilities at that time. All right. Uh, well, I, I can say that nothing much changed um, uh, 21 years back uh, after, uh, on that at least on the Queenstown Stadium, yeah, yeah. Uh, fortunately. And um, but I must say the crowd was really great. Yeah, the crowd it was, close was great. As yeah, well, it was right? very close. There yeah. was we had always two, three thousand easily, 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 right, really right. good yes. supporters, and um, and the league was really strong. The right. foreign players and the local players was really good. You know that yes, you yeah, played exactly. so. Yeah. 
together with me so we know this uh, the great times and um basically was i can say the um, with all this um small and uh, you know not really good impression about all these facilities but the games was really exactly. fiercely and uh, and and all the teams want to win and everybody want to you know um give the best and uh, but for myself coming as a striker never played before of course <laughs> i struggle for two months i probably score only i think two goals and of course and on um, uh, guys who are listening now who don't know a league in uh, in 99 what happened was that anybody who from a stand can say that this uh, foreign player not good enough they will change him after two days wow. and they would, yeah there was a rules like every two months they could change and I remember <laughs> there was a even I remember there was a, a newspaper there was a um Ugly, go home, and there was so, like so. So you were lucky. <laughs> so I was uh, no, I was a few time in that uh, column. Oh, okay, ugly, okay. go home, because like uh, there was a you know people who was judging you like from outside and saying oh there's a foreign player he's not good enough you know he's not scoring goals and uh, so I went to ask um, Richard Woon was my uh, general manager and I asked him uh, Richard what actually you are <laughs> referring all this ugly go home or what the foreign Yes. player need to do he said oh Alex easy nothing much you said you get it from Talaj ball dribble all the players all the opposition players and score goal and that's your job to do I said are you serious are you joking because it was like serious so, so you, you're realized, talking about Dragon right Dragon Talaj yeah Dragon Talaj yeah, yeah, yeah. he was my goalkeeper so I thought and I, I thought then I realized actually what he was referring to referring that uh, as a foreign player you really need to step up okay. and be much much further higher higher level of the than uh, local players you cannot go in the same because you really need to help yeah. these boys to win the game so likely for me I really after that we all yeah. struggling with the heat and humidity and um, you know um, uh, ball bouncing like a two meter when they bounce from the ground yes. because it was so hard <laughs> and uh, all this to uh, you know to adjust myself I really yeah. adjust and then I took me well took me two and a half months maybe three and I start scrolling and never uh, then never end but it also this um, you have to stay positive and uh, very and, correct and, and work harder and do extra session and the training and I did it uh, Haji was my coach at that time to, to Pajan and we used to stay behind I used to do practice in um, shooting um, finishing um, I also bring my uh, fitness even even I was always fit I bring my fitness even higher because nice. I thought I need to be even more fitter here and um, so you you really need to um, uh, focus on this uh, which one is you are struggling but yeah. never never let yourself down and think that uh, you are not good enough and uh, but is of course is all hard work and um, and sacrifice Uh, I'm so glad that you said that and I'm pretty sure that I did not pay you to say that because this show is all about that. It's about yeah. work ethic, it's about hustling. Now, let's talk about you being a champion. Right now, this word seems to follow you wherever you go in terms of football and the sport itself. Now, let me read this out to you, right? If you can remember, if you can't. <laughs> 2000 Singapore Cup champions, home United. 2001 League champions with Geelang United. Their first one after a while. 2006 to 2009 in a row, League champions with SAF FC. 2011 to 2013, league champions with Tampines. 2007, 2008 and 2012, player of the year as league, right? Yes. <clears throat> It's amazing and I and I haven't even uh, come up with the top scorer award. Yes, I, I, I've three lost times. It. Yeah, three times as well. See, he's, yeah. you're, you're reminding me as well. So three times player of the year, three times top scorer of the year. Amazing. Now, what goes into being a champion? What do you need? In general, you know, it can be anything. It can, like you said, working hard. But tell me something that we don't already know. Is there a secret to being a champion? Well, there's a secret. Is uh, you need, really need to struggle in your life. You really need to struggle. Honestly, uh, you need to. F- um, you kind of uh, grow up in the, some struggles, so you can uh, appreciate yes. anything after that. Uh, yes. Appreciate every 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 yes. moment in the in your life, and uh, and uh, and uh, you know you. Well, the struggles, uh, you know, will bring you the strength. Okay. To the power, and and to be, you know, you want to be champion because is uh, to be champion is easy to say, it's hard to do because uh, uh, people only see the champions when they bring the trophies, but they forget uh, hard work. What's the behind them and um, behind on the back uh, weights and uh, gyms and the hours of the trainings and. Um, sacrifice and you know nursing families kids and uh, you know being uh, under pressure every day to perform in the highest level okay. so it's uh, it's uh, many things to be champion but they basically I, I still believe you still have to be humble and simple 
Wonderful, same wonderful. Time. I think that's, yes. that's a very nice thing to say as well, to be yes. humble. Because even if you're a champion, because you were champions like in a few years in a row as well, it doesn't mean that you're a champion the first year you can relax and, you know, take your yeah, foot off the pedal. Yeah, but I see so many champions who become champions, but they become very arrogant and they think they are, they are on top of the world. Yeah. And they sooner or later, they dropped very, very much in their form and all this. So very for right. me, I was um, I was always the same guy. I, I, I was... No, I was driven to to be champion. I was driven to win the games. I was driven to to push my team and to as as far we can as a, as a team. To yeah. me, scoring goals was a just part of my job. There yeah. wasn't. I was counting how many goals I scored. Actually, I was counting how many medals and the trophies I pick up with my team as a together as a family as a unit, and that was more important for me to Wonderful. to bring all the players in the same same boat and same we. We go for the same target was uh, yeah. to win the league in the end or win the cup. Correct. Or it wasn't about me to win the my uh, be top top player and the play. I wasn't. I yeah. wasn't ever think about that. I want to ask you this, right? You have all these medals and trophies and and the <laughs> the, the physical ones, right? Now I know and I think you should know as well. And you 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 are a big fan of Arsene Wenger as well. Yes. Now he says this, right, in his book. He doesn't keep his medals because to him, that 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 thing that you have, it it doesn't matter to him because what matters is something that he has done you know memories is, yeah the memories, memories people which is talking more, about that yeah which is more yes. important than anything else in the world because you can show me a piece of metal right but to him yeah. it's not but that's him how about you do you keep all your medals <laughs> tell me honestly well i live in the small htb and i never <laughs> could kind of take out this uh, uh, most of my medals and uh, all of them was in the box and uh, really oh, okay. really this true story there was on the box and then four years ago when i started working for sport hg i realized Oh well, as uh, now for me, time for to move the finally from this uh, cupboard, yeah. the old medals yeah. and all this. So actually, they are in uh, Sport SG uh, ah, okay. next to my uh, office. <laughs> But is it in the museum or is it in the, like a, in the box? <laughs> no, it's in the museum on myself ah, because okay, I take okay, them out okay. finally. Okay, But they, before museum. that, yeah, I I never kept them home. I never have. All I have is a home. Honestly, is the two things I have uh, at home at the moment is. Um, Uh, my Tampines jersey on my retirement day when I ah, retire okay. on the on 2014 okay. uh, signature which all, all the players I played and of course is a 2012 Suzuki Cup uh, ah, okay. shirt I wear against Thailand oh, good. Great. with all signatures of the guys who Wonderful. was with me in the national team Wonderful. on Perfect. that year Perfect. that's it Wonderful. Now, now in those championship winning teams that I that read about just now you know Geelang, Home United and what have you tell me honestly which was the best team that you played in The the one that won the champ uh, championship. Uh, wow. I, well, it's a quite tough question because I can say there's old teams I played uh, with. I won the uh, league or cups was a great, great place in with me. Um, I can say 2007 was uh, one of the best uh, SAF team uh, okay. I played with. You know, Tersak, uh, Jim Wilkinson, Sharil uh, Jantan on the goal, um, yeah. uh, Norali. Um, Masrezan, Mas, uh, Masrezan, I think Masturi. was there. Masturi. I think yes. uh, there were so many good players locally. Okay. And, uh, there was like, and of course, I think Geelong 2001, because they, I remember they didn't won before yes, many things time, and right? never won after that. So uh, oh, yes, true. yeah, so it was like uh, that was a really to, good team. We, that was a really good team. We came close in 2003, finished second. Yes, yeah, in, yes, in both, we did, yeah. we did, we did, yeah. and we did really even close to uh, IFC. You remember sex semi final? We yes, yes. lost against Syrian team Damask. Yeah. Uh, we we actually should go in the final. That, I think like we are the closest one who come in IFC in that competition that year, that yours. Uh, you 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 talk about some some players' names just now. Tersak was one of the best foreign players I've ever best. seen. You know, best. Uh, 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 best. You, to you, he's the best. Well, I, I'm talking about from '99 when I came. I yeah. heard it was a lot of good guys in yeah. um, players in before I came. But I can tell you, uh, Tersak was one of them. Brian Botwell. I was talking about foreign players. Brian Botwell was another one. Okay. Um, um, Gilang with you, Ag- right? Yeah, Gil- yeah. I mean, Egma, Egma, the Mirko. Oh, those those okay. kind of players. You know, you you. You know, sometimes you let let me tell you this league was really lucky to see yes, these players yes. to playing in this league because those players could play anywhere else around the world if they wanted to. Tell me something about Muhammad No Ali because uh, I was reading and again this was just off Google, yes. right? Yes. And they were saying that Muhammad No Ali in that year in Geelang when y'all won it, he was playing alongside yes. you, right? Yes. He provided the most goals for you. Was yes. that true? I scored 37 goals at Ningen from 37 or 36 from his crosses. And, uh, <laughs> really? And, uh, really. Okay. And even his SF also. Uh, I, yes. I, I think even write in the book uh, that um, from my 
300. I think I scored 380 goals, but anyway, okay. you cut down okay. to 340. I'm sorry, my friend. But anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Just a <laughs> yeah, number. Yeah. Um, he was like, I think 150 goals or more than I scored through him. Okay. I think we had a kind of understanding Wonderful. by on the on the on the field and you know, off the field we are, was always best friends and even Wonderful. we stayed like that and um, unbelievable uh, partnership yes yes now it's a little bit difficult now for you off your head but i think it should be you know uh, you you take your time but i think it should be quite easy for you your first 11 in the s league so far first 11 the best you played from goalkeeper all the way to striker Well, I can say this. Um, let's say the Dragon Talaic is a goalkeeper okay. on the back was uh, Lim Tonghai. Um, uh, I'll I'll probably take the older generation. I'm not, I'm not uh, sure about the younger our, generation. Our, our friends, yeah. Okay, yes, sure, yes. sure. Tonghai and yes, uh, Tonghai should be in, uh, sitting <laughs> together with. Um, um, I like. I never played with Janjung by Hurt. He was a great player. Okay. So I'll put a Janjung day with El Tonghai on the okay. left side. Samaria Basri. Okay, left Vira, back. Left Vira. back. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, right side, I will say there was um, uh, Kade Yaya because I was actually he was uh, with me in Geelong in 2000 when we got injured, but he was yes. f- fiercely a <laughs> defender. Yes. In the middle, I can say it on the right side, our uh, Stephen Tan. Okay. Um, yeah, and um, of course, in um, I will say the um, uh, Tersak would be one of them. Uh, um, then. Well, gosh, in, um, um, who was the um, um, on the left side? We'd say the Mano, Mano Ma- Ali, Mano definitely. Ali. Um, oh, he can play right and left. Um, also, another midfield can say there's a uh, Bram Botwell. Okay, great. on top, I think uh, Indra, Indra Alam Shah. Wow. Karul Amri, uh, everyone, you got to put everyone yeah, in there, including Egma. yourself. Oh, no, I, I, I can sit on the bench yeah. because those guys was really unbelievable. Oh. I was so many good players. Exactly. I probably I missed all of them, but I, I know Latif so many. As well. Yeah, Latif, Latif was Latif. another, another pure, pure talented player. Yes. If he had a little bit more life values, you know, what he didn't really carry much, but uh, an unbelievable player. We will be right back <laughs> after this. I think that was. Brilliant from Alex, you know, talking about all the old players and uh, it, it certainly brought back memories. We will come back after the short break with retirement and coaching. Hey, we are back and uh, we will be talking about retirement and coaching in this uh, part. Now, how was retirement like? You know, because as a footballer, you can read it all anywhere in the world, uh, England and Spain and what have you, it was always difficult for players to retire because they were always living that, that so-called high life. And how was it? Was it difficult to adapt? I I, I have to be uh, really um, honest with you. Uh, it was tough. It was tough. It was um, uncertain uh, when I on the day when I kind of played my last game on the 14 November in 2014. I really came back home and sit and... It's just, uh, you know, um, you're in a certain time. And, you know, as you know, it's like we don't make the millions of dollars or anything like that. So it's like, and then uh, you have a family to feed. And uh, same time, you forget <clears throat> that next morning when you wake up, you're nothing looking forward and to. Nothing to do. Yeah, nothing to do because, it's, uh, you know, it's uh, life totally changed. In one night, it was like really, yeah. it really changed. So, so and it you, tough. it was for a while, it was... I didn't really want into depression like I see the, so many players go into depression, but I, I tried to occupate myself as much as I could uh, with different things. Of course, the, um, one of them was uh, great. I mean, that I after that, at least I, I secured a job in Tampines Rose as a, as a fitness coach in 2015 with Sundram. Was it right and, after you retired? Yes, so you got yes, for the yes, next year, you got the job, yes, right? Okay, straight yeah. away I was uh, yeah, okay. in. Okay, how was, was it? How was it? That was another challenging thing, which one I'll never do again. <laughs> I think that was the biggest mistake I ever did. Wow, this is this yes. is a revelation. Tell yes. me, tell I me more about this. I can tell you this because um, basically, you know, when you are you are playing with the guys in two thousand, I mean, play. I most of these players was I'm uh, playing in them. Yeah. There was my friends in uh, yes. uh, in uh, roommates in uh, yes. in uh, 2014, and suddenly in 2015, I'm coming in preseason and telling these boys yeah. they need to run, they need to do training, yes. this and that. It's very tough because it's um um. It's hard to tell the, your uh, players who is, you was uh, teammates just a few months ago and suddenly you are the bosses and they have to listen to you. So it was a lot of tension. It was a lot of um, not really pleasant uh, year really? in 2015. No, because I, I thought like if if you were a player before with them and then you you retired and then you took <coughs> over as the fitness coach, like you said, the players know you. The players know how hard you worked as well. 
So was it difficult for you or for the players to? I think it was more difficult for. I think both. I think it was difficult for me because I couldn't understand them why um, why they don't work hard because um, I wanted to. Actually, basically, I was kind of comparing them with me. Okay. In my yes. football career, yes. those are wrong, wrong things I did because ah, okay. um, not all of them can run, not all of them can do gym, not all of them is really. Some of them is lazy in the, on the outside of field, but they're, they're best players in the field. So there was a adjustment which one I didn't do well, and in the end, I I was really counting the months and days when I'm going to finish with my contract in 2000, uh, end of the 2015. So it was only one year there. Yeah, and only so one hour. It was your decision to leave and not. Uh... Ah, it was a decision by both sides. I think I was I was happy to leave because I yeah. I was um, I I thought this I need I, I wanted to do something else. I I didn't really, I wasn't because I realized this was a tough to to do this as you know. It's always always to be. Tough to be fitness coach here because it's a place <laughs> don't have this uh, culture of the fitness, uh, you know. And so yeah. when they come to the seniors, if they never run before, first thing they ask if you tell them to run, they'll ask how many laps, how many rounds, how why we doing this, all the question before even they start running or doing something. So it was really tough for me, and I couldn't understand that because then I I, I just got anger yeah. in myself yes, and yes. I didn't want that. Yes. And so I in the end I step out. Yeah, that's that's a very honest uh, yes. reflection of of your <clears throat> days at Tempest as a fitness coach. Now mm. this is a question and a personal question as well. You, well, how old are you, by the way? Sorry, forty-nine. Fifty this year. This year you are fifty, right? Yes. Now, you maintain your fitness after retirement. Very much same. Yeah, uh, about the same. Yeah, have you like measured in terms of scientifically measured like a VO two max kind of thing? No. Yeah, no, or, not yet. But, but not that. But I measure my two point four. Is uh, so so you f- and you feel the same eight, way as well. Eight 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 minutes and forty five seconds. What so for two point four? Yeah. For those of my students listening in, if you are listening in, our friend here who is fifty years old has hit a two point four km distance yep. in eight minutes. That was before when I was playing. That was easy. Uh, seven minutes and uh, I think yeah. it was uh, under eight minutes. Easy, close eyes. So now it's eight minutes. Eight, eight minutes, forty-five. Eight so, uh, yeah, something yeah, like that. So, so for those Depends. of you listening, in just, just this is this is remarkable. Now, can I ask you this? Why is it a routine that? Is it a routine? Is it for health reasons? Is it for vanity? Meaning, you want to look good, you know, in, as as a person. No, or what, what is it? Why? It's just a part of the life. Yes. This uh, sport took my life. Yeah. And I, I believe they took in the way that is, uh, you know, uh, sometimes I've, I get myself angry if I don't do uh, <laughs> in daily some route, something, gym or running or something. Yeah. And also, uh, I believe that uh, there's a freedom of the, I, I get freedom of when I run and I go for, well, basically 16 or 21, 21K, <laughs> I feel the freedom of the, you know, like, um, I just get relaxed and I, you know, and and I feel much better after that. Yes. Maybe I'm struggling the work and all this, but when I go run and after that, uh, is everything kind of disappear and I feel much more fresh. But uh, also it's a uh, health benefits is definitely there, but it's a routine of the, my 30, 40 years of my uh, trainings. And lucky for myself, when I started sports, football wasn't my first sport. Canoeing was one of my sport. There yeah. was individual sport. There was always, I kind of always depend on myself and my How yeah. much I put effort, that's how much I got result. Well done. So even today, I, I nobody can no need. I no need to push. I don't need to go gym and take my personal trainer because I can do everything on my own and Perfect. do really. I still compete myself because yeah. I still when I run, I really need to be four four point. I like. I'm trying to stay in the four fifteen or four thirty yes, yes. per per kilometer, yes, in a, I, I, you know, because I have all the gadgets I have to follow. And, I, and I, if I, I go further, I get so angry. So I then exactly. I train double to cut down my I, uh, timing. I I know what you mean because sometimes I'm like, I'm like that as well because and and I'm nowhere as fit as you. So I'm just giving an example when I go out running. For example, if I do a 10 click and yes. and I do it and maybe time. in for example 50 minutes, I will never want to go. Above 50 you know, yeah. it's, it's that mentality. So if I if I'm running and I'm like two kilometers yeah. away and I see it's damn, it's 45 minutes, I'm gonna push. You yes. know, it's, it's that kind of mentality, and I totally yes. get what you mean. It's 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 brilliant. You know, it's routine, and you just yes. wanna get get That's there. That's it. Yes. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about your life at, at, at Active SG and and a little bit about family, if you don't mind. Now you are the yeah. principal of Active SG right now. Now, let's not talk about. Active SG as a whole. I want mm. to know your feeling personally. What do you want to see and achieve 
Not not what is your KPI. I don't want to know about your KPIs. I, I don't even know. know what's the KPI. I'm still trying to find out. Yeah. Everybody talking about that in Correct. my office. Yeah, so I don't want to know about that. I don't care. Yeah. I just want to know about your personal feeling and what do you want to achieve with Active SG, with the kids especially, because you love kids. Well, talking about Active SG Football Academy, I'm a principal of Active SG Football Academy. And um, I came into this uh, Sport SG to take this uh, job in uh, 2016. Uh, actually, tomorrow will be four years. On the 2nd April. Tomorrow? I, yes. Wow. Yeah, tomorrow is my uh, yeah the anniversary of the four years yes. as an active SG football academy. So can came, I say happy, happy anniversary? Yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of, yes. Well um, and I started with 150 kids. Today I have uh, nearly 3,000 kids and 15 centers around the Singapore. Amazing. What, I mean, it's amazing is one thing, but there's another thing is I always believe that is um, every child, doesn't matter if we're talking about, now we're talking about Singapore, should have opportunity to play sport, play football in, um, in um, you know, neighborhood. Yeah. And uh, looking the map of Singapore, it's very hard to, to achieve that because there's not much free, free, free space. space to play. So the kids also, the drop-off of the school teams when you are not good enough is huge. Yes. And if you don't yes. do that, and if you don't have CCA in the school, a lot of kids don't even know where to, and parents also don't know what to do with the kids if they want to play football in the issue. So my... Um, my goal and all this is to give opportunity for every child in Singapore to play football, being the grassroots football level or they want in a, in a, in the some uh, higher level. It's up to them. I have uh, all of these uh, layers for all, every child in Singapore. Was this your idea, base basically to get, in terms of numbers, get everybody playing because that's. That's that's a good thing because you need to get the numbers, the base up, right? So was this? Well, there was like a CEO of the Sport SG, uh, Mr. Tekin. Um, yeah. He invited me to join him in this uh, adventure, and um, and he asked me to give him um, some things, which one is uh, you know he wanted to see if I'm yeah. really capable to do these things, and I I give him some ideas. What I always believe, which was lacking lacking in Singapore, was lacking to kids playing football. Yeah. I mean, in the high, in the in the big bigger numbers. Yes, we we always had it like a small the masses. Where masses, we yeah. never had the masses. We only had the kind of narrow narrow stream of the kids, and and yes. that never was enough because it's, uh, you, if you open the huge masses, you always find it. Then you make the um, good base, yes. like you're building the house. You have a, yeah. have to have good base, and then you can uh, give opportunity for the kids who will just play amateur football. And want to be just to enjoy playing football. But those kids is also important because we're building the kids who is going to sooner or later maybe follow the, our uh, local team, yes. follow our national team, come to the stadiums and, yes. and watch football because they remember they, was, they play with their friends. And yes. then you have a kids who really wanted to try the try the are they going to be professional so I have all these kind of different layers in, in my academy which is good but at the same times I always believe football is not shouldn't be just a football there should be I we spoke just before yes that if we don't calculate the values into the trainings the like good small life values so they yes. learn through the football that is uh, actually it's not just our football uh, you know it's not just about winning it's about how to be, you know, in the proper way, the football player, but same also to be good citizen of this country. Because yes. end of the day, this young generation of the kids, they're going to they're going to build up the Singapore in in the in the future. So they 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 need to have a. And at the end of the day, the, every child should have a sport in their life. They have to have that. Uh, you know, you brought this point up, which is very important to me, especially as a lecturer in in a school. The the values that you're talking about, right? Because I and I think you know that I was coaching for a while yes. in uh, yes, SFSG as well, yes. and. Listen, uh, the especially the younger ones, the under under eights and all. The the, the younger you get, you got to start them young in terms of the values. Not let's not talk about the football part. Let's yes. talk about the values part because out of one and a half hours, like almost one hour, I'm talking about values. Not talking all mm. the way, but while playing, you can just you know yes, just you small little small things. things. Small but little things. The slower later the kids realize yes. that how important to have this. They're just a. Uh, just to you know, um, don't throw in the bottles exactly. you know, everywhere when they drink. After you put in the where they should be there, you know, uh, helping with the coaches uh, to do uh, collecting yes. the balls, yes. uh, helping their friends, you know, the teammates, you know, if they fell down or do some some small small things. But uh, sooner or later, they realize in um, um, how important is that uh, to be part of the team and do all these things. And at the end of the day, is about parents also. The parents mm -hmm. need to see that this um, program which one uh, yes. I've been running is uh, you know it's helped the child yes. develop. Because we're not developing them as a just as a footballer, we're developing as an individual person to to build yes. that for the future, for the 
for the mom and dad to see the daughter or son is really improving not only just in, as a footballer player but also as a as a good uh, good younger uh, boy or girl Yeah, and after a while it becomes a routine. You know, you ask yes, them, you, you ask them to you, pick up, uh, arrange the bottle. After a while, it, oh, yeah. it's natural. They come yes. in, they put the bottle there, and then it's 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 wonderful yes. what what you're doing. Now, I think you shared about something which is is really blew my mind. At the present moment, I don't know whether you can say this, but if you can, then just say this. What yeah. is the percentage of Chinese kids playing in the active SG? If you have a little bit of stats, if, yes. you, if you have. I have I have about 70 plus uh, percentage of the Chinese kids. Can you repeat kids, what yeah. you just said? Yes, yeah, 70%. 70% yeah. of Chinese kids yes. playing. Yes. That's, that's amazing. That is unheard of because yes. we've been complaining about the lack of uh, yes. Chinese kids taking up the sport. So this is wonderful. Uh, and they're playing every weekend they, uh, they come I mean of course now in this situation with the virus of course we stopped uh, yeah. activities like everybody else but uh, before that for last four years every Saturday and Sunday and I also have a Wednesday session afternoon they've been coming they will be supporting and they will be signing and uh, it's like uh, we build up from 100, 150 kids all the way now to three, nearly 3,000 kids and beautiful so it's uh, and the kids staying they know they're signing for one season I have four seasons per year And every season is really, Wonderful. most of this center is full. Well done. Uh, we will talk a little bit about something that you love most in your life ever. Yes. I, I don't have to ask you that. I know for sure. It's the kids. It's your kids, right? Now you have four. Yes. Because I, I got four. it wrong the first time. Yes. Yeah, you, you say five. Not yet. Not yet. Yeah. Yeah. Not yet. <laughs> okay. Now you uh, adopted two kids. Yes. Yep. Uh, just tell us why. Because I, I have two kids of my own. It's tough. I love them to bits, but it's tough to you know. It, it's a day. It's a day-to-day grind, and I know you love children as well. So why uh, adopt two kids? Tell me. Um, I always, as you know, I, we mentioned before, and I just started uh, my story. I grew up very poor, and um, I always believed that um, if I ever made something in my life. Uh, I will uh, try to help the kids. I uh, try to help any child if I can. And um, of course, um, I have my two biologic kids. They are, my daughter is going to be 18 this year. My son is uh, 16. Uh, they all bro- grow, uh, grow up and born here. Yeah. And then and um, I was, from 2007, start looking to adopt a you know, first child. And um, finally, in 2010, Massimo, Massimo yes. was, uh, you know, he's a Singapore boy. He was three days old. Uh, I got him from... Um, from uh, some organization and um, I adopt him and um, last year in January I got a um, um, boy from uh, Malaysia I adopt him in uh, last year and um, so now I have four and if I can I will adopt more because What's I believe What's his name? The second one? The Emmanuel. Emmanuel, yeah. Emmanuel. I saw him. I saw him on the yes. pitch once. Yeah. yeah, he started walking two days ago. Finally, ah, he started walking. Okay. He's 16 months old now and uh, but I must say this um, I believe that uh, we need to give the opportunity for those kids who really don't you'll never have any chance to yeah. to survive in this world and um myself knowing uh, who i am and and if i can help i i do i that's why adopting uh kids and giving them uh, love and uh, opportunity to to have a good education um lot of support from us and um and uh, and hope i'm hoping then they will be also grow up as a good citizen of this world and uh, help another kids and another another Uh, so it's 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 like that, like a circle, something which when I I believe we if we can do, we should do. And um, I I like kids, and not just by kids. I love every child I see. I really want the best for everybody because uh, you know they are future. They are our future. You know, I always go back to the objective of this podcast, and like I said, the Silver Fox Hustle is about work ethic. It's about positive things driving out the positive uh, being positive all the time and that was absolutely beautiful love love love, love. yeah exactly yes. spreading the love well done we have come to the end of our podcast <laughs> right and this this the time for the silver fox hustle test now i'll read out the rules to you right i'm just going to tell you anything 10 things it could be gosh it could be a thing it could be a name could be a team could be anything in the world you got to say something in one word about that which is positive very simple Okay, so if I say... Sounds simple, let's try. So if I say, for example, <laughs> if I say Alex Jurich, you say legend. One word, only one word, but oh, it must okay. be positive. Okay? okay, we start off, right? The first one. The Barcelona Olympic Games. Um, happiness. You can't say the same thing in the next one. Huh? Okay. Your children. Love. Mirko Grabovac. The best. Mohamed Noali. 
Brother. Nice. Geelang United. Family. Patrick Ang. The boss. Well done. Fitness. Uh, fitness. Um, daily life. That's two words, but it's okay. Oh, Re- sorry. Retirement. Never. 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 Lovely, beautiful. That's positive as well. Never. Yes. Class. That's class. Singapore youth football. Improving. And one last one. Active SG Academy. Future. Wonderful. I think you've been the best so far. Is it? You've been the best. <laughs> Wonderful answers. Superb. I love the never. Retirement never class. Never. Never. Well done. Yeah. Now, before we go, any advice for youngsters in general, especially, you know, in football, especially those who are coming up in 16, 17s or, you know, in, in just learning the trade or even those who are starting out in the SPL, uh, achieving success, any anything? How, how do you... I think there's... Um, they should kind of lower the expectation uh, okay. in, for the start when they're coming into. They need to first see where they're uh, standing for the start. Of course, as we always said, uh, you have to work hard. Uh, but um, I believe that uh, work hard is not just, uh, you need a little bit luck also. But yes. the luck you get by working hard, you're listening, you're staying in um, humble and simple, you're um, listening and um, and staying positive and waiting for your um, um, turn. When you get that, take that opportunity and yes. never look back because, it's, um, you know, the, sometimes in life you get one or two opportunities. If you don't take that, it's very hard uh, to get again because there's uh, so many boys in, uh, thinking the same like you. And yeah. um, so um, to do that is not easy. Yeah. And that's why I'm urging, urgently want to say to these boys who is now coming up and uh, to want to be football players to to understand that football uh, when they take as a as a it's a it's your profession. Yeah. It's not a hobby. Yeah. It's something you live for and live until you uh, finish your uh, you know career. And then to do that, it's not easy. It's a lot of um, obstacles and uh, sacrifice. You need to uh, jump and and let let go from your life. But uh, all you need to do is. Uh, You need to really be passion and love for that sport you're playing. In the in our in our cases, a football. Wonderful, Alex. And uh, you know, you have been a true blue silver fox hustler. Thank you for being on the show <laughs> and on on this episode. And uh, all the best for the Active SG Academy. Obviously, a little bit of a hiatus with the COVID 19 issue, but uh, stay strong, stay healthy, and I will see you again, Alex. Thank you so much. You know, when I thought of starting this podcast, this Silver Fox Hustle podcast, I really wanted to capture the human spirit as well. How someone can rise from the bottom and reach heights that they wouldn't even dream of. And in comes Alexander Dirich, with all the hustle he could muster, achieved all that he has achieved so far. That is really incredible. And not only through hard work and a positive attitude, Above all, with lots and lots and lots of love. With that, I will see you in the next episode of the Silver Fox Hustle podcast. And get this, the hustle beats talent when talent doesn't hustle.